0: Hello, and welcome to DeCarbonize, the clean energy podcast from Fresh Energy. Fresh Energy is a Minnesota nonprofit working to speed Minnesota's transition to a clean energy economy. My name is Joe Olson. I do communications here at Fresh Energy, and I'm here today with Michael Noble, our executive director, and Justin Fay, our government affairs director, and we're going to talk about Fresh Energy's legislative and policy goals for the year. Welcome to you both. Thank you for being here
1: thank you thank you for having us
0: well we've got a lot to cover and if you both are ready i think we should dive right in okay all right let's do it let's go well i think i'd be remiss if i didn't start off by asking about the recent dfl leadership change uh susan kent from woodbury was elected senate dfl minority leader replacing tom bach of virginia and he had that leadership position since 2011. So, what does the new Senate DFL leadership mean for clean energy in Minnesota and for our work here at Fresh Energy?
2: Well, it's a great question, and I know it's something that's been in the news that people have questions about. Um, you know, the the bottom line to keep in mind is that the composition of the Senate hasn't changed, uh, and for groups like Fresh Energy, we're you know committed to working with the folks who are in charge. Uh, when they're in charge. Um, We're fortunate to have had uh, a a good working relationship with both Senator Bach and Senator Kent. Uh, We're looking forward to uh, working with Senator Kent in her new role. Um, uh, I know from direct experience that she cares a lot about the climate uh, and clean energy and uh, looking forward to working with uh, senators from both parties this session.
0: Okay, great. Thank you for that. And now that we've got that covered, uh, is there anything else that we should say about the 2019 legislative session to set the stage for our conversation today?
1: Well, I think this uh, one interesting thing is out of 50 states in uh, the United States of America, Minnesota is the only legislature where the Senate and the House are controlled by two different political parties. So I think we have a a special burden uh, and a special opportunity Uh, to show that we can make bipartisan policy progress on energy. Um, You know, Fresh Energy did a great job last year of getting all of our bills, uh, maybe not every single one, but almost all of our bills authored by Democrats in the House and Republicans in the Senate, and uh, that'll be our goal again this year is to find um, meaningful, real, concrete policy progress that can be supported by both political parties and signed into law by Governor Walz.
0: Awesome. Thank you. Uh, Is there anything that you think that we're going to be needing to play defense on this year?
1: Well, that's the thing is uh, there's always, uh, you know, 4,000, 5,000 bills get introduced in a typical legislative session. Usually only a couple hundred at most become law. uh, And we're going to be very vigilant, making sure that we don't go backwards in anything that. Every single thing that becomes law is meaningful progress on uh, energy efficiency and renewable energy and affordable housing and uh, bicycling and transportation and uh, you know running our economy with prosperity and equality and equity without dependence on fossil fuels is kind of the heart and soul of what we're trying to do up there. So if it's not progress, we don't want it to become law. So we'll be playing defense on any any bad bills that get introduced.
0: Absolutely. Great. Well, is there anything that we should know about what's happening at the federal level before we start talking about here and now in Minnesota?
1: Well, the federal uh, government, the United States Congress, is uh, really at a stalemate. Hundreds of bills have been passed through the House of Representatives, and none of them are getting a hearing in um, Mitch McConnell's uh, Senate. Uh, I think people know that uh, the president is not an ally on uh, uh, climate change or clean energy or energy innovation or are weaning ourselves from fossil fuels so uh, you know that's why uh, in the 1800s de Tocqueville said that the states were the laboratories of democracy and uh, we have to show that we can make progress at the states and uh, have innovation uh, percolate up so that's what we'll be focused on this year is the state.
0: Perfect. Thank you. Uh, All right. Well now kind of focusing closer to home. Governor Walz and his administration have shown a really strong commitment to elevating climate and new clean energy leaders in the legislature have also been building momentum for change. We've got a lot of work ahead this session and let's start off with Clean Cars Minnesota. This year, the MPCA is slated to complete the rulemaking process to adopt how folks can use their electric vehicles. What electric vehicles they have access to? How can people become a part of this process and engage uh, in the rulemaking uh, journey?
2: Well, it's a great question, and you know, Governor Walz has shown, and the and the Pollution Control Agency have shown real leadership in uh, advancing clean cars, Minnesota. It's a nationally significant initiative, uh, and and Fresh Energy is very very excited to that it's happening here in Minnesota and, and to be part of it. Um, you know, moving forward, the, uh, the timeline and the, the rulemaking process is pretty distinct from the legislative session and other things that happen in government. It's sort of, I think it's important for folks to understand, it's really sort of on its own timeline, uh, and it's a very kind of specific process that exists kind of for itself. Um, what we think is likely to happen is the next phase will be another public comment period in response to a draft rule that the Pollution Control Agency will publish. Um, We expect that sometime this spring. Um, We don't know exactly when, but um, probably concurrently with the legislative session still happening. Uh, And when that happens, there'll be both a public comment period uh, where folks will be able to make comments directly to the agency um, online or in writing. Um, and there'll also likely be a series of public meetings. Um, it's very similar to the process that folks may have been may have seen in the fall when the, the Clean Cars Minnesota proposal was first announced. Um, there'll be another round of uh, public comment and public meetings that look a lot like that. So five or six meetings, probably spread around the state, was what happened last time. I'd expect something similar to happen uh, this spring. So that'll be the next phase, and the, it's, this is all towards an end goal of having that the the. the uh, Pollution Control Agency and Governor have have sort of publicly named, which is to have the rule final by the end of the 2020 calendar year.
0: Okay, great. And I think everyone listening can expect to see dates, times, locations for those meetings on the Fresh Energy website, as well as a lot of other places too. Absolutely. All right. Well, moving on to the Governor's One Minnesota Path to Clean Energy. The Governor's package includes three components, uh, 100% by 2050 carbon-free electricity standard, a suite of urgency, urgently needed updates to Minnesota's flagship energy conservation program, and a modernized regulatory framework known as Clean Energy First. Alright, so first off, Michael, let's talk about well, 100% uh, carbon-free by 2050.
1: Well, we were very excited in the spring of uh, uh, 2019 to be on the podium when the governor uh, rolled out his uh, vision for uh, electricity supply that has no uh, carbon pollution uh, over the next three decades. Obviously, we have to jumpstart uh, these uh, reductions in carbon-based electricity even faster than that, and we remain committed to uh, working with uh the executives of the key uh, utilities to find a pathway to get that passed into law, but we're also an important partner and ally with the 100% campaign that's bringing along uh, labor unions and racial justice organizations and equity and community organizations, uh, along with traditional environmentalists who, uh, you know, support uh, the vision of uh, an electric supply without carbon pollution. So uh, you know, conventional wisdom is that that that's a big lift for uh, 2020. Uh, But uh, your uh, trusty uh, 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 allies at Fresh Energy are are not going to stop pushing on that until the uh, gavel comes down at the end of the session. So uh, I'm getting a big smile from uh, Justin. But uh, you know, I'm just being candid that uh, last year the whole package was tied together: the 100% clean energy and the two other provisions and. The governor tried to pass it all as one package and um, maybe this year it'll be thought of uh, in its component parts and there'll be some work on each of them separately.
0: Great, thank you, Michael. Uh, Justin, do you want to take on Minnesota's energy conservation program uh, component?
2: Sure, uh, so this is a, a, a proposal that the, the administration calls the Energy Optimization Act. Um, it's, a, it's a really important part of the overall puzzle. Um, I think folks listening at home probably already understand that the cheapest and most cost-effective energy in the world is the energy that we never use. Mm-hmm. Um, and Minnesota is very fortunate to have a, a long-standing um, energy efficiency program, policy program, called the Conservation Improvement Program. Um, and every, you know, maybe once a decade or so, uh, it's important for policymakers and stakeholders to take a look at that, um, think about how that program is working, how is energy efficiency being treated uh, and advanced um, based on the need, current needs of our energy system. And that's really all that this uh, proposal is about, is looking at um, what does it mean to be energy efficient and to drive energy efficiency in an age when we're increasingly talking about things like electrification um, and and our, you know a grid and a system that's powered by clean energy rather than you know fossil fuels and, and large power plants um, and those. Uh, require some different technical answers to how you run energy efficiency programs. Um, and so this is um, this is sort of, in a lot of ways, really the workhorse of the whole package. It's not the flashy, it's not flashy, um, it doesn't, you know, it's not going to be uh, on bumper stickers, it's not going to be uh, something that, that legislators are likely, like, running on, Um <laughs> Uh, but it's a really, really important um, policy framework in building on um, decades of success that we've had at Fresh Energy and, and more broadly as a state uh, in you know making our system as efficient as possible.
0: Great. Thank you. Uh, anything you want to add about clean energy first?
2: Well, clean energy first is really a, a new framework for thinking about... The exact opposite part of this equation, which is energy—you know, energy efficiency—is how do we how do we use less energy? How do we how do we sort of deploy energy once it's been generated? Um, and clean energy first is really about how do we think about a regulatory framework for Minnesota utilities and other stakeholders to operate in um, in a in a new environment where it's assumed that clean energy is the cheapest, most readily available generation to build. Um, you know, Minnesota has uh, a law in the books. It's been there for 25 years, since the early 1990s, that says we have a preference for renewable energy. But the interesting thing about that is it was written at a time when we basically had no renewable energy built in the state. It was an aspirational uh, provision, and and that law hasn't been meaningfully updated in 25 years. Um, and so now in 2020 clean energy isn't isn't aspirational it's actually the norm Um, and so the you know way that the public utilities commission and state policy treats decisions about how we how we make generation how we decide what generation sources to use needs to account for that Um, and so that's really what that's about is the framework on which we're going to continue to sort of drive home um, clean energy. Uh, as the first choice among all options for future electricity generation.
0: Got it, thank you. Um, Now if you're both ready, uh, I think we could move on to uh, advanced building performance standards. Uh, So ultimately across our state, cities are taking the lead on combating climate change through really ambitious local commitments. And a rapidly emerging area of focus for them is the building sector. So ultimately, they want to ensure that new construction is built to energy performance standards that meet the needs of our climate, uh, not just the bare minimum. So what should we know about advanced building performance standards this year?
1: So this is a very uh, important area of uh, Fresh Energy's passion and expertise and influence uh, to try to get new buildings built smarter, better, more efficiently, and uh, less dependent on fossil fuels. We actually... um, have the engineering and the economics to confidently say that we can build a new commercial building that does not have a carbon footprint at all, and we can build that economically, affordably, reliably uh, with health and safety. but our building codes aren't getting us there. Um, you know building codes we joke is the is the the lowest quality building you can legally build is the one that meets the minimum code. And what we want to do is, we want to help jumpstart advanced buildings as the norm, not as the oddball thing that somebody uh, dreams of and pulls off once in a blue moon, but that routinely people are building advanced buildings. So we've been working with uh, the Walls Department of Commerce and the Walls Department of Labor and Industry and the uh, executive and the board at the uh, Building Trades uh, Association. labor unions that built commercial buildings in um, metropolitan Minnesota. And uh, we want to find a partnership that allows better buildings, high efficiency buildings, you know, zero carbon or low, low, low carbon buildings to become the norm in Minnesota and not the outlier. That's, that's our policy goal. And um, we're we'll working with all the stakeholders to see if we can pull that off. Uh, in the uh, Senate, uh, Senator uh, Dave uh, Senjum of Rochester, is the lead author and this provision is very important in Rochester, where they're building hundreds of millions of dollars of new commercial building uh, as part of Destination Medical Center. And in the House of Representatives, uh, our chief author, help me, uh, Justin, our chief author is?
2: Uh, Senator David Uh, Senjum.
1: In the House of Representatives, our our chief author is uh, Representative Jamie Long. So between Representative Long and Senator Senjum, we want to find uh, excellent policy language that moves this initiative. Uh, forward boldly.
0: Awesome. Well, I know um, it is the first day of session and you both are pretty busy today, Um, but I've got a few other questions to cover uh, if we have the time. Uh, So, Fresh Energy has a few new partnerships in the works, uh, focused on a few uh, new initiatives for us. And the initiatives highlight multiple benefits of clean energy and energy efficiency. So, let's start with conservation solar. Through better project design and siting, solar can be a significant tool for driving landscape-scale benefits for clean water, wildlife habitat, and local farms. So what does this new policy do?
1: So uh, Fresh Energy has uh, helped to pass uh, conservation solar policies in a number of states uh, after we first passed uh, uh, a flagship legislation in Minnesota a few years ago. Uh, Oddly enough, uh, this is one topic where we're America's foremost expert on um, solar farms, having uh, habitat and um, bee and butterfly and pollinator habitat, flowering plants, uh, deep rooted prairie style plantings underneath the solar farms and around them. Uh, We're gonna take another uh, baby step, not big, bold, dramatic steps, but another baby step, um, making that the norm, the routine norm among solar farm developers in Minnesota. Uh, This is a great policy because it brings together both political parties and brings together uh, rural interests and agricultural interests and county and local government who have to permit solar farms. Uh, But we also bring out odd uh, actors like the entomologist lobby and the the beekeeper lobby. And uh, (laughs) we found uh, everybody loves the idea that solar farms can protect not only the climate by generating carbon-free electricity, but they can protect the soil by building um, carbon uh, content of the soil. They can uh, reduce water quality problems. They can increase biodiversity of plants and animals and uh, pollinators. And uh, we even uh, uh, next week uh, are have this subject area very, very prominently featured at the National Conference of Pheasants Forever, uh, you know, and conservation allies uh, who carry guns is a good ally to have. So we're um, building we're building a, we're building a, a broad public uh, will among solar developers, conservationists, and farmers that this is the right way to develop a fa- solar farm.
2: You know, one of the things I I found most exciting about this policy uh, is this isn't even really a conservation end use. Um, it's a but it's a multiple use. Um, if you if you build solar your solar farm in exactly the same way that you you normally would, but you just put it six feet off the ground instead of you know one or two feet off the ground, you can actually have livestock grazing under it and use it for um, and generate economic benefit for the landowner uh, through multiple uses. And so we can have uh, you know sheep. Sheep solar farms, Um, uh, which I I can't wait to go visit one. I think it's going to be a lot of fun.
1: They say we're never going to have goat solar farms because goats chew on wires. We're not going to have that.
0: (laughs) Well, uh, okay, well, let's move on to another uh, partnership that we're excited about for this year, something new for us, Uh, energy efficient nursing homes. Uh, Across our state, elder care facilities are facing unprecedented need with insufficient resources. In fact, in many rural communities, the local nursing home is one of the largest employers, and they're a really vital cog in the local economy. I know, I grew up in a really small town. Uh, So how can investing in energy efficiency help nursing homes all across the state reduce costs and create new jobs?
2: Well, uh, one of the important things to, to understand and just remember about nursing homes is they tend to be larger, older buildings, um, which means that you're the bang for your buck when you make an investment and the efficiency is going to be bigger than just about anywhere else. And nursing homes serve every corner of the state. Um, so when you make an investment in nursing homes broadly, you're, you're serving every region. Um, there's nursing homes in the metro, there's nursing homes in Northeast and Northwest Minnesota, um, and all of them have, you know, some common challenges around operating costs, around um, the kind of quality of life and livability of the building, the physical building itself, um, that are all benefit when we, you know, use sort of best, you know, best practices for energy efficiency. Um, there's, a, there's a real need for upfront capital cost uh, resources to do, to do those projects. Um, uh, you know, a, a facility that might be run by a nonprofit uh, or or public entity uh, that's operating on a shoestring budget just does not have access to the kinds of resources at scale to do big energy efficiency retrofits things like um, you know swapping out a boiler updating you know to a modern hVAC system that uh, might make a really big you know uh, difference in the, the bottom line of the facility um, you just aren't accessible to, to uh, uh, you know a building that's you know, and not barely getting by in terms of being able to stay open. Um, and you know, when we make those investments, we get the residual benefits of the you know the jobs that are created doing the projects and the jobs that are protected when the facility is more economically viable over the long term.
0: Great, that's awesome. Um, well. I know you are working non-stop, uh, well, you have been, leading up to session and now session's here. Is there anything that you want to talk about uh, that I missed in all these prior questions, things you want to cover, or did I do a great job and, and, and hit every point?
1: <laughs> well, I do want to me- mention that, uh, you know, Fresh Energy is a policy advocacy organization with a really strong point of view and a clear focus. But a lot of public policy can happen in places outside of the state legislature, whether it's the Public Utilities Commission, in the Governor's Office, the Pollution Control Agency, or even in boardrooms of uh, uh, Great River Energy and Excel Energy, they make decisions that affect the public interest too. So uh, we want to pledge to you that we're um, looking at every possible opportunity and angle, whether it's at City Hall or whether it's in the... The the Senate Bonding Committee, we're looking for every possible place to move public policy and public decisions and, uh, you know, we got to make sure that the legislature doesn't infringe on the executive's authority to move public policy and the legislature doesn't infringe on the Public Utilities Commission to make public decisions. So uh, we'll be be in every one of those rooms representing your point of view, uh, advocating for a carbon free, prosperous, equitable world. Uh, that's our pledge and uh, uh, we really deeply appreciate how uh, you've supported us and uh, you pitched in shoulder to shoulder with Fresh Energy over these many years.
0: Great. Thank you. Well, I think that's a wrap for our conversation. Thank you both for your insight. Uh, session is only just getting started and I'm sure we'll have updates over the coming weeks and months uh, as you're available for listeners. Uh, Folks can stay tuned to our blog at fresh-energy.org for the latest updates or follow our social media as well. We're on Facebook and Twitter, and I'm sure we will be talking again as things really get rolling at the Capitol. Uh, Also, I think in the next week and a half or so, uh, I'm going to be talking about advanced building performance standards with Ben Rabe uh, and a guest, so I'm looking forward to that. But in the meantime, thanks to everyone for listening and subscribing to our brand new podcast. You can support Fresh Energy's work by making a donation today. Visit our website at fresh-energy.org and click donate in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening and until next time, stay fresh.